Okay, guys, uh, apologies once again, but uh, we are live. Sorry we're a few minutes late. Welcome to TNC 168. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. Thank you for those of you who uh, have clicked over here. I know I just tweeted out a link. That link was broken. It didn't work. So now uh, we got a new link up and running here. Uh, again, we are in a chaotic situation, guys, because we are uh, moving in two weeks, literally almost a week and a half from now. So every just stuff's packed up, stuff's everywhere. It's crazy. We actually had to plug into our iPad. So uh, the, the shot isn't going to be as good for those of you watching right now on YouTube. Apologies. But the audio should still be good everywhere else. Okay. A lot to talk about this week. A lot. So hopefully all you guys who are on the other <laughs> the other link will get to this link ASAP. Um, but let's start with some news and notes before we get to, uh, to Jarrell Miller. Obviously, I'm going to have a lot to say about that, and I know you guys will too. Let me just go over some quick news and notes before that. Just little tidbits, okay? Shields Hammer, 369,000 peak. So for TV, uh, you know, for as much hype and as much promotion that Showtime put into that and the ladies themselves, kind of a disappointing rating. And it shows to me two things. Number one, female boxing in America is not nearly is is growing and as big as some people are making it out to be but i think the bigger thing number two clarissa shields is not the brand that she thinks she is at least not yet now maybe she can get there but i've talked about her personality being kind of um uh, just abrasive right and she turns people off i had a back and forth with her on twitter this weekend those of you who follow me uh you guys know you know what i'm saying because you saw it but uh, Clarissa Shields was talking about she can fight. Uh, she said she, I think, beat Keith Thurman and give Triple G a run for his money. I saw a tweet about that interview, and I retweeted it, and I said something to the, effect, to the effect of, you know, if you're retweeting this, you're part of the problem. And it was kind of a joke. It was a little tongue-in-cheek, but it was a little bit of a jab at her comments because her comments are stupid. Biology matters. Men and women have different strength levels. I mean, bone density, uh, the size of your hands, all of it, right? And all of that matters. So, of course, she responds and she says, stop crying. And, and instead of getting into a shouting match on Twitter with her, I kept it very respectful. And I just said, look, you did a great job against Christina Hammer. But stick to the ladies. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. And I just left it at that. Respectful. And she responded, and I think she was trying to be respectful, but I don't think she quite understands the way she comes off to people because the way she responded to me was extremely condescending. And she said something to the effect of, I spar men all the time and I don't get hurt, you know? Uh, so save that talk for your daughters. I, so she, she knows I don't have daughters. I don't know what the hell that was about. But uh, maybe that was metaphorical or something. But it just goes to show she's a little delusional. She's not the only boxer that's delusional. Uh, and the people around her must be delusional, but she's kind of screwing herself with some of the branding. She needs to clean up the personality a little bit, smooth out the rough edges, and stop talking about fighting men. And I'll say one more thing about this before I move on to the next subject. If female boxing is equal to men, male boxing, if female fighters should get paid what men get paid, and all that stuff, which you see a lot of tweets about that, you see a lot of white knights on social media and in the boxing media, and in the mainstream media, of course, saying things like that. However, if that's the case, 
then why do female fighters constantly call out male fighters? Why did Ronda Rousey call out Floyd Mayweather and, and fighters like that? And Dana White would say, yeah, Ronda Rousey would beat Floyd Mayweather. Ridiculous things like that. Why say that? And now for Clarissa Shields, why do you got to call out Keith Thurman? Why do you got to call out Triple G? If you deserve equal pay, if women are equal to men, if female boxing is every bit as competitive and, and as relevant as male boxing, then you know what? Call out women. And she did after a fight with Hammer, but she should be doing that on social media. Don't be calling out male fighters. If female boxing is blowing up and you're going to be the quote and all that, call out female fighters. There's no need to call out male fighters. That's my position on that. Speaking of Triple G, so he's going to fight Steve Rolls. If you guys haven't heard of him, don't worry. I haven't either. I know he briefly fought out of Kronk. He's out of Canada. He is undefeated. Look, it is what it is. I know a lot of you are upset. Uh, it's a tough sell. And I said that on Twitter. Here's how you got to look at it. It's basically Canelo versus Rocky Fielding. It's probably actually a lesser version. The only reason why Canelo versus Rocky Fielding, I, I gave Canelo plenty of shit for that matchup. But then again, at the same time, a lot of you guys weren't there when I said, you know, he deserves a soft touch. It's his first fight with the zone. It's a brand building thing. The only thing I didn't like about Canelo and Fielding is that it was for a bullshit title, one of those WBA titles. That was a crock of shit. And now Canelo's going to say, I've had titles in three weight classes. That's a crock of shit. So for this Golovkin and Rose fight, it's actually a lesser fight than Canelo Fielding in, in, in a certain way. Because say what you will about Fielding, he was more proven than Steve Rolls is. It will probably turn out to be the case that Steve Rolls is better than Rocky Fielding. That's probably, based on just what I've seen with the eye test, the, the footage I've seen on YouTube and stuff like that, Steve Rolls is probably better than Rocky Fielding. But just the level of fight is less than Canelo Fielding. Triple G, Rolls is. But it's at least it's not for a bullshit title. I say that and then I follow with, there is a catch weight, a 164 pound catch weight. So I understand guys. I understand why you'd be pissed off. I understand why people are rolling their eyes at this matchup. Here's the thing. Golovkin, and I said this a few times, right? He feels like he was screwed by the system. He feels like he's done it everybody else's way. He's had the wait in line, all that. Now he's in a position where he's going to do it his way. And this, he doesn't want to make 160. He doesn't want to struggle at this point in his, his uh, career at 160 uh, to fight Steve Rolls. He'll boil down to 160 to fight Canelo Alvarez or Daniel Jacobs should he upset Canelo Alvarez next month. Those are the fights where he will struggle and everything. He's probably walking around at 175 or 180 right now. Probably, probably in the 170s, maybe 180. And he's just going to get down to 64 for Steve Rolls. It's a tune-up fight. It is what it is. If you want to see the big drama show, then go to the fight. There are tickets for like 50 bucks at MSG. Golovkin is one of the best fighters in the world still, and he's still in the top 10 best fighters in the world pound for pound. He's no less than the second best middleweight in the world. He still might be the best middleweight in the world. So he's in a, a tune-up fight. If you want to see Golovkin fight, go to it. If not, watch it on the zone. It's part of your subscription for June. You're getting a bunch of other action in June, right? So it is what it is, okay? If he doesn't fight, a top 10, let alone top five middleweight in his next fight later this year, I'll be the first to talk shit. But this particular matchup, 
I said on Twitter already, it's a tough sell. Triple G rolls, tough sell, but I get it. I understand what it is, and people have short memories. If Golovkin's next fight is against the Canelo Jacobs winner, no one will remember Golovkin rolls. No one will give a shit. It is what it is. Okay, what else? And by the way, that's June 8th, MSG. Uh, Mario, or Mario, David Lemieux, <laughs> I was going to say Mario Lemieux. David Lemieux hurt his hand, injured hand. He's out. He was going to fight on the Canelo Jacobs undercard. He's out. That sucks because uh, that, that's a tough one for, for Lemieux, who's had a, a rough run the last few years. Injuries, weight issues, things like that that have gotten in the way of career progress. I was actually looking forward to his fight on that card. So that's kind of a buzzkill. Okay, let's get the drill, Big Baby Miller. And I know you guys are going to have questions. So uh, Tiffany will get those questions over to me, and um, we will uh, go from there. But... I thought about doing a rant video on this, but then I thought, you know, I'll save it for TNC because when I first heard about it, I was kind of pissed. I was just hot because Jarrell Big Baby Miller, number one, he called out Anthony Joshua in a press conference and alluded to the, the notion that he was a juicer, Anthony Joshua, even though he did VADA testing for his fight with Vladimir Klitschko, and he's done different types of testing in other fights before. So uh, Anthony Joshua never failed any piss test or blood test, anything. Now, has he done VADA 365 like Canelo is? No, but never failed a drug test. So, uh, you know, look, I get it. When you look at Anthony Joshua, most tall guys, if, you, if you're 6'3 or taller, you tend to be built more like me, slender, right? When you're shorter, those guys are thicker. Anthony Joshua's got the build of a 5'8 dude in a 6'6 frame, right? And that is really rare. Usually when guys are his size, they're not as ripped. You don't have six packs and all that. So it's rare. But AJ's never failed a drug test. And he's just a physical freak of nature. He's got an amazing Adonis body. Vladimir Klitschko was the same way. He never failed a drug test. So it can happen. But for Drell Big Baby Miller to talk all that shit and then pop. And not just pop once, not just twice, but three times. He tested positive for GW1516, which uh, I guess is an endurance enhancer. And for EPO, which is extremely dangerous. I don't know how many people still do EPO or use EPO. And then human growth hormone, which of course has horrible health effects if you uh, abuse it. Uh, later on in life, he's going to have major issues. You look at his weight which has steadily increased in fights, right? And you look at the guy's history, apparently too, he failed, he was actually suspended uh, nine months back when he was doing uh, kickboxing in 2014 by the California Commission for failing a test in 2014. But you look at the dude's weight, which has increased, but his activity level has also increased. Look at his punch counts in all of his fights. Weight goes up a little bit, but so does punch output. So does his endurance in the late rounds. He's punching just as much. Has no damn power. But I think he's been doing this shit for years. It just doesn't compute to me that he just started doing this. Because this is the first time Miller has tested with Vada. Now, again, he failed a test back in 2014. But that was just a regular California Commission piss test. I, To my knowledge, he has never tested with USADA. Or, or I, of course, this is the first time with Vada. So he's never done any advanced testing, right? Why would you start doing all these drugs now knowing you just signed up with Vada? I think it's more likely 
He's been doing this shit for so long, he couldn't give it up, and you just hoped Vada wouldn't find out, which is stupid. That's like saying, I'm going to go murder 20 people and rape five women, and I hope the police, I'm going to leave a bunch of DNA all over that makes O.J. Simpson look jealous, and I'm going to hope the cops don't find out. That's how stupid Jarrell Big Baby Miller is. There's no better word to describe what he did. Yes, irresponsible, of course, all these things. He's also an idiot. He's stupid. Because not only was the payday with Joshua on the line, that's life-changing money, right? You're talking $5 million. That's going to put his grandkids through college, right? That's life-changing money. But if he was remotely competitive with AJ, even if he got exposed, and I think he was probably going to get exposed against AJ because he's done nothing to deserve the fight in the first place. But if he went rounds, if he went six, seven, eight rounds, like Dominic Brazil did, he could have ended up having other paydays. You, you think, man, the brand building, if he fights AJ and goes six, seven, eight rounds, he could go over to the UK and fight Derek Chisora. He can fight uh, uh, Dillian White. There's a million guys over there. He, you know, and then maybe through the sanctioning organization system, he can wiggle his way into a mandatory fight down the line against Wilder or Fury or whoever the future titleist is. He would have had opportunities. So it's not just the five million up front with AJ. It's millions of dollars possibly down the line. But because he's such a moron, he gets caught. And now, look... The New York Commission has already taken his license, right? But Nevada has to chime in here because they're kind of the lead commission in America. So at some point, this has got to get on Bob Bennett's desk. And I think they got to make it an example. I think that, look, it's not like he just did one, right? Canelo Alvarez tested positive for clenbuterol. Okay, he claims it was tainted beef. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But there is a case there have been cases of tainted livestock in Mexico. We know this. It's proven. It's not, it's not a guess or an assumption. It's actually a fact. So whether you believe Canelo or not, at least he had some excuse to give. And the, the Nevada Commission rightfully still suspended him by saying, look, man, you're still liable because you got to know what the hell you're putting in your body. Period. Six months. Boom. And he's the biggest star in the sport. Jarrell Big Baby Miller... These are three synthetic man-made, well, human growth hormone your body does produce. But you buy this shit in a lab on the black market, right? We know this. He knowingly ingested these three substances, and who knows what the hell else he was doing before camp even started that he cycled off of. I'm sure there was four or five of them in his system. So this dude was making cocktails. You have to make an example. I say two-year suspension. I'm not going lifetime ban. That's ridiculous. I mean, you can bite a motherfucker's ear off and not get a lifetime ban in boxing. But two-year suspension. Cut his pay. Do not let him fight in boxing for two years. He can go back to kickboxing. He can try go try MMA. He can do whatever the hell. MMA, all those dudes are doing shit, and they get to fight. John Jones is swimming in roids, and that dude's got to fight forever. Jarrell can go do that shit. Two-year suspension. Nothing less. They need to make an example out of this guy. All right, so that's it uh, for news and notes. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about this. Let me look at my uh, questions. Use yours. Okay. 
It's not, you can't send it to me. Okay. All right. So we got a few questions here, guys. Um, Chet Cook 93 asks, who picks the judges? Is it the commission or the promoters? Okay. So I get this question a lot. So, so the, there's a pool of judges that the athletic commission, whatever state will provide to the promotion. And they'll say, Hey guys, here are, here's a list of eight judges. If you oppose to any of these judges working any of the fights on your upcoming card here in town or here in this state this week, let us know. You can say, you know, I don't like this judge or that judge. I don't want them on the card or I don't want them in the main event. You can do that. Sometimes the commission listens. Sometimes they don't because I know Adelaide Bird has been in that pool before. And I think it was main events. No, was it main? It was either main events or top rank. There was some card. It might have been on the East Coast. Where they were saying we don't want her on this card, and and the you know what it was Nevada, and and uh, Bennett said, well, too bad, she's going to be on the card anyway. So, uh, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think Chad Cook ninety three, you're asking this because, and I forgot to mention this in news and notes, on the pool of judges for Canelo Jacobs, guess whose name is on there? Adelaide Bird, and it's you know Kevin Idick at, at Boxing Scene uh, broke that story. And we had a little little brief chat back and forth on Twitter about it. To me, it's just audacity and delusion on, on Bob Bennett's part and the Nevada Commission's part. And I also think that they're out of touch with the new uh, just social media and the way fans are now, particularly younger fans. Everything's on social media. You can't slide something like this under the table and hope that fans won't find out. You could do that shit in the 80s because it wouldn't hit the newspapers until uh, maybe a couple of days before the fight, but more likely after the fight, right? But now, as soon as that name pops up and people see that that name is in the pool of judges, they're gonna get that out there on social media. All the fans are gonna know. Now, Bob Bennett from Nevada Commission, none of the judges are on Twitter. They don't do that. They, they are told, do not go on social media, do not engage people on social media. So they can't hear people bitching, but believe me, the media folks in the room, they'll let them know come fight week. But even before that, Golden Boy Promotions is getting an earful from you guys, the fans, saying, what the hell is this? You better not pick Adelaide Bird to score this fight. So I think it is somewhat just the Nevada commission being out of touch with the 21st century and how social media works. But Kevin Idick was just saying, you know, he, his opinion is they just don't care. They don't care what people think, man. So maybe it's a little bit of both of those, but for her name to be in that pool, holy shit. And, uh, yeah, Silvio Siocan asking his question. He was actually talking about that. I'm just reading your question right here, man, about, uh, Mrs. 118-110 was on the list of possible judges for Canelo Jacobs. Is there a bigger slap to the sport? Well, look, if she actually makes that card and works on that card, uh, that's atrocious. And I'm moving. I told you guys I'm moving that day or else maybe I'd be there covering it. If she does work that card, I hope somebody in the media, in the post-fight presser, has enough balls to ask Oscar De La Hoya, how that happened, why, and also ask Bob Bennett and ream them. The only guy, well, I won't say the only, but the last guy to put them on blast when necessary, you're looking at him right here. Ha <laughs> ha. And look, 
Uh, those of you listening on iTunes and everything, you can't see this, but those of you watching live on YouTube, check out my T-shirt. It says, I'm the nicest asshole you'll ever meet. It's true. I am. I am an asshole, but I'm a nice guy at the same time. Some, Tiffany says sometimes. Azie asks, yeah, tell us something about drugs Miller took. Would he permanently injure Joshua? No, I, I don't think. Um, so look. The drugs he took, human growth hormone, EPO, that stuff, yeah, it's going to increase your strength, your power, and your size. It's going to make you bigger. But that doesn't necessarily trans translate over to more powerful punching. He, everything Miller throws is kind of uh, arm punches. He's never been a guy who sits down and shots. And I, if he's doing all that juicing and he still isn't knocking guys out in the first, second, third round, I don't think he was going to hurt Joshua at all. I think he was going to have stamina. And that extra size is going to help him absorb shots and go rounds and maybe go the distance. But I think he was going to get thoroughly outboxed and likely stopped late by Joshua. That's just the way I felt about that fight. Cole Johnston asks, do you see Virgil Ortiz versus Teofimo Lopez as a future super fight at 140 or 147? Hell yeah. Give me some of that. I think that their promotional relationships would work out. That fight would be uh, to be able to make it politically. It's way too soon, and I don't want to sound like a boxing business guy, but again, I have to say this. Teofimo Lopez, he's graduated from, uh, from prospect to contender. He's ready to contend, but he still hasn't fought a top 10 fighter. And Virgil Ortiz is still a prospect, so it's a little too soon. But yes, down the line, uh, Teofimo Lopez will be at 140 by next year. And Ortiz will definitely be there. These guys are going to settle in at welterweight in the future. Down the line, who, who knows, man? That might be a fight for the number one pound-for-pound pound spot a few years from now. We don't know. Barcarader asks, thoughts on Balderas? Is he being promoted right? And do you think people are sleeping on him? You know what? Uh, he's fighting this week. I'm going to have – or I'm sorry, he just fought last week. Um, scored another win. I'm going to talk about him in the review because um, – yeah, he's kind of slipping under the radar, but you know what, dude? That's his promotion. That's, he fights under the PBC banner. They don't do well with prospects. They just don't. But um, I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Under the hand wraps. What's up, man? How you doing? Baker in the house. Man, man, thanks for watching, dude. Um, guys, if you haven't checked out Under the Hand Wraps, Google it. Look it up on YouTube. Great work outstanding production by Mr. Baker, Albert Baker. Um, one of the best, I think, in the biz of the up-and-coming videographers. I know he, he likes to do writing. He likes to do that stuff. Mr. Baker, I'm going to tell you, your future in this business, it's with the videos, brother. You got a freaking talent. He asked, when are you coming back to LA? We are coming in September. Tiffany has to go out there for a work thing. And I'm going to be out there hanging out for about a week in September. It's possible I could get out there for a day or two in July, but it's probably going to be September. It's killing me, man, because, um, you know, I wanted to be back already. But this damn house and this move is killing me. Everything's so chaotic right now uh, that, yeah, I just can't. I'm turning 40 in June in the, the original plan was to go to Detroit for my 40th birthday to be back in my homeland uh, my birthplace for my 40th birthday but that's probably not happening i'm broke right now and uh 
We're going? Tiffany says we're going. You guys, you heard it. It's on the record. So she says we're going. I'm holding her to that. All right, one more question, and we're getting to the uh, to the review. Brandon Attaway asks, what is next for Richard Comey? It sounds more and more like he won't be fighting Lomachenko anytime soon. You know what, Brandon? I think that what's going to happen with him is he is going to fight uh, Tiafima Lopez. I think Grandpa Bob, Bob Arum, wants to put Comey and Lopez together, have them fight. His hope is that Lopez would win that fight, win the title, prove himself to guys like me who say, hey, you haven't fought a top 10 guy yet, while Lomachenko would go over to the UK and fight Luke Campbell, who I think is set up for a vacant title shot or something like that. Uh, maybe the title that, um, is it the title that Garcia vacated? I can't remember. But they go over to the UK, like a brand building thing, fight Luke Campbell, Lomachenko would, and then Lopez would fight Comey. And then if Lomachenko and Lopez win, they fight each other at the very end of this year or very early next year. Bob says he'd love to do it around the Super Bowl early next year. He thinks that would be awesome. I think that'd be pretty big. So that's probably the direction that they're going to go in. Okay. All right, guys. So um, a lot of boxing last week to review. And uh, I see more and more of you are getting in on the chat here. So cool. So get your questions in. And um, I know, uh, look, some of you guys who just got on, you might ask something that I already covered, especially if it's Big Baby Miller. I'll go back over it because that's a big thing, man. That's, I, I can't think of a guy who tested for three different synthetics like this. And again, when I say synthetic, I realize HGH is in your system and everything, human growth hormone, but not like this, right? Okay, um, so this is big. This is unprecedented that I can think of in boxing. But review time. Last Saturday, there were fights all over the world, but uh, one that slipped under the radar, a prospect that K2 Promotions has, Dennis Berenchek who uh, was in the 2012 London Olympics, got a silver medal in 2012. The year before, 2011, the World Amateur Championships in Baku, Azerbaijan. He won a silver there as well. So a good, solid amateur pedigree. This kid's from Ukraine. Uh, he's a lightweight. 10-0, 7 knockouts, scored a unanimous decision win in a 12-rounder. So he's on the fast track, 10 fights in, already doing 12-rounders. He has a minor title. That's a K2 Promotions fighter. And I think it's K2 Promotions... Europe, like the Klitschko brothers actually promoting that. So Dennis Berenchek, keep an eye on him, okay? In O2 Arena, London, Matchroom, on the zone, and of course, it was Sky over there. Uh, heavyweight action in the main event. Neither of these guys was the top 10 heavyweight, and uh, it didn't look like it was going to be a good fight. It turned out it wasn't a good fight. But David Allen out of Yorkshire, uh, improved to 17-4-2 by KOing Lucas Brown, the former WBA heavyweight titleist. And we talk about dopers. This guy was a two-time popper. Popped uh, twice for two different substances. Uh, knocked him out in the third round with a left hook to the body. My thing is, Brown was winning that fight up until the time of the knockout. I thought Allen was being outboxed. But nothing Brown landed would really hurt Allen. It'd move him, but it uh, wasn't hurting him. And he got... Brown to reach with the right hand. He dug under with a left hook, really planted it perfectly on the liver. And uh, Brown was immediately, you saw the grimace on his face, collapsed to the canvas. And I, I wonder, part of me wondered if he broke a rib or something, because when he went down on the canvas, you know, kind of on all fours, uh, just on his knees and everything, 
uh, blood came out of his mouth. He spit up a bunch of blood. Now, maybe his mouthpiece had broke or maybe something, you know, his inside his lip popped or something earlier. But when he went down, I just saw a bunch of blood come out of his mouth. So I thought, holy shit, this dude broke a rib pretty bad or something. But after the fight, he was getting up and walking around okay. So I don't think that's what happened. He just must have had a, a cut in his mouth. Anyway, for David Allen, hey, he, I think he called out Anthony Joshua, which is ridiculous. Pump the brakes a little bit, okay? Uh, David Allen was KO'd by Tony Yoka, Luis Ortiz. So he's not, he don't need no AJ in his life, okay? But, um, you know, he's ready for maybe another shot at a top 10 heavyweight after this fight. Also on this card, a couple of 2016 Olympians, Joe Cordina, a lightweight, he got a, a TKO six win, and Josh Kelly, who is a fighter, a welterweight, who has a lot of people excited. He went the distance of the 10-rounder. Derek Chisora stayed busy with the 10-round points win. Okay, here in the States, let's start on the West Coast at the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson. I hate calling it that. PBC on Fox. This was a pretty loaded card. A lot of names, okay? Alfredo Angulo fought on the undercard, scored a KO2 win. Carlos Balderas, who you guys asked about earlier. 2016 American Olympian who went to the Rio Games out of Santa Monica, California now. 22 years old, 5'9", 73-inch reach, good-sized lightweight, scored a KO4 win. I like this kid. I think he's another... American from that Olympic class who's being slept on. That Olympic class didn't do great, but there were some pretty damn good fighters to come out of that class, right? But you look at Balderas, you look at Jose Carlos Ramirez, and you look at the difference in their careers. One's with top rank, one's with PBC. And I don't want to sit here and make this a PBC versus everybody else thing. I don't want to make this a demographics thing, but top rank Say what you will about them. They know how to build prospects. Teofimo Lopez, look where he's at in his career. Jose Carlos Ramirez, he's not going to be as good as Lopez, but look at what he does, the numbers he does in his hometown when he fights up in Fresno. Crazy numbers, right? They know how to build prospects. Those of you guys you know, who are, who are kind of new to boxing and you think of Floyd Mayweather promoting himself, Oscar De La Hoya promoting himself, those guys were built up by top rank. They know what they're doing. Balderas over at PBC, it's tough. Now look, PBC has had Errol Spence the whole way and they've built him up and he looks pretty damn good. So they are getting better building certain prospects. But how long did it take for Spence to fight in Dallas and start doing numbers? How long has it taken for the Charlo brothers to fight in Houston, right? I think Jermel, Jamal is fighting in Houston coming up this summer. Jermel is probably going to fight Tony Harrison again um, and probably in Vegas, right? So, I mean, some of it is just his management and his people not knowing what they're doing. The way PBC tends to build fighters is they're way on the bottom of these undercards forever and then suddenly title shot out of nowhere. And they, they either win that title shot or they get exposed and they start over. Those fighters who win that title shot, suddenly, boom, they're headlining cards. And maybe after a few title defenses, then they go for the big fight. That's what happened with Errol Spence, right? Okay, also on this card, uh, talking about prospects, Brandon Figueroa, Omar Figueroa's brother, uh, scored a win over a Venezuelan fighter, uh, Yonfrez Parejo. And let's see, uh, 
John Riel Casimero out of the Philippines uh, won the interim WBO bantamweight title, uh, scored a KO 12 win over Mexican Ricardo Espinosa Franco. Andy Ruiz, heavyweight action, uh, scored a retirement five win over Alexander Dimitrenko. Pretty much won every round. And after the fifth round, uh, Dimitrenko in his corner stopped the fight. They decided they didn't want any more. Ruiz, again, dominated this fight, beat a top 25 heavyweight. Although for Dimitrenko, his last two appearances, he hasn't looked good. Got stopped by Brian Jennings in now this fight. So it's almost time for him to think about hanging him up. But uh, Ruiz weighed 262 pounds, the heaviest he has weighed since 2014. So, uh, yeah, needs to get that weight down. But he got in three rounds of work. In the main event, Danny Garcia comes back from that loss off Sean Porter, and he lost two of his last three. KO7 win over Adrian Granados, who had never been stopped before. Granados didn't like the stoppage. He had been dropped several times in this fight, knocked down twice in the second, once in the fifth, kind of looked old and sluggish. He's only like 29 years old, I think. But, man, he looked old in this fight. But uh, kind of was held, was up on the ropes and took a few shots. And referee Tom Taylor just stopped it. I like the stoppage. There was just no need for the fight to continue. Granados didn't like it, but he's a warrior. But Garcia looked really, really sharp in this fight. He looked very, very good. Granados really couldn't put a glove on him. Everything Garcia threw, he landed. Granados... Looked pretty good against guys like Adrian Broner and other, I think, did he fight Pauli Malignaggi? The only guy who really dominated him and beat him soundly was Sean Porter. So, uh, and Sean Porter didn't do what Garcia did to him. But maybe all those fights, all those punches, the punishment, he had been dropped two or three times in his career prior to this fight with Garcia. Maybe it's just caught up with him. Maybe it was a bad style matchup. I don't know. But uh, Garcia completely dominated. He said he's back. I would like to see Danny Garcia fight Terrence Crawford. Grandpa Bob has reached out and made many offers to, to uh, Garcia before. He's turned him down. I know two of I can think of off the top of my head that he's turned down. Maybe Grandpa Bob needs to up the ante with the money and see if he can get Danny Garcia and his management to come across the street and fight Terrence Crawford. I think that'd be a good fight, just style-wise. I think that'd be fun. Uh, in terms of counterpunching and power, you know, uh, on the inside too, short little crisp shots, Garcia might give Crawford some issues. It would be an interesting fight because Keith Thurman's probably going to fight Pacquiao. It is possible, though, that Garcia fights Pacquiao. I'd rather see Thurman fight Pacquiao and Garcia fight Terrence Crawford. That's just where I'd like to go. Speaking of Crawford, at MSG in New York City, Terrence Crawford scores a TKO6 win over Amir Khan, the second defense of his WBO welterweight title. Punches him right in the nuts in, uh, in that sixth round. Amir Khan goes down. It was a clear low blow. They showed the replay. And it wasn't right in the center of the cup. It was on the side. It almost looked like part of his glove hit Khan's thigh. Part of it hit the side of the cup. But let me tell you guys from experience, sometimes those punches hurt more than a punch right to the dick. Because when you hit the side, depending on where your balls are at that particular moment, depending on how your cup is positioned, and you know, if it's a big cup, if it's tight, I hate tight cups. I like to try to get huge ones <laughs> so there's a little bit of room to breathe. But if you got a really tight one and your balls are right up on the side of that cup, and the side of that cup just gets nicked. 
That shit hurts. Trust me. Same thing for the, for those of you who play baseball. If you've ever hit been hit by a baseball on the side of the cup, you can hit right in the middle of the cup. It's not that bad. You can hit on the side of the cup and it gets that vein on the side of the nut. That shit sucks. So I believe Khan when he said he was hurt by the punch. Here's what I don't believe. I don't believe he couldn't continue. If you truly feel that you're debilitated from that body punch, or I'm sorry, that low blow, take the five minutes. Just from an optics perspective, you get five minutes. The ref kept telling him, dude, you got five minutes. Take five minutes. 30 seconds in, he looks to his corner, to the ring doctor, and says, I, don't, I can't continue. You really can't continue? You haven't given it five minutes, bro. Maybe you can. Maybe you just need another four minutes and you'll be okay. What I saw from Khan is a guy who, after about the third round, was getting tapped up pretty good. Crawford had switched to southpaw. He had found his rhythm, and he was laying plenty of leather on Khan. Khan's used to being the faster, more athletic fighter in there. He wasn't against Crawford, and I think that freaked him out a little bit. Crawford, the best technician in boxing right now, better than Lomachenko, better than Usyk, better than Canelo, better than Golovkin. Yes, I'm saying it. Terrence Crawford is the best technician in boxing right now. Fact, period, end of story. That's it. And he was starting to find his groove against Khan. And I think Khan, I'm not going to use the word quit. We've never seen Khan quit. But I think he was like, yeah, I don't want no more of this shit. I've gone six rounds. I just got punched in the nuts. Okay, this is good. It would have been better, even if that was his intention when this happened. Wait five minutes and then tell the ref, I can't continue, dude. My balls are killing me. I can't walk, right? If you at least wait that five minutes, then fans can look at that and say, well, the dude gave it a try. He tried to survive. He tried to fight on, right? We've seen fighters with grotesque, horrible injuries beg to keep fighting. You get clipped in the nuts. It sucks, but you've got five minutes take all five minutes, and then see if you can continue. That's my position on that. So for Crawford, where does he go from here? Not many options for Grandpa Bob. Next issue of Ring Magazine, uh, you guys will see my article I just wrote on the welterweight division. And it was going to be the cover story, by the way. Doug Fisher and the folks at Ring, the editorial board, they loved it so much, my piece, because I got a little bit of modern welterweight division mixed in with some welterweight division history, some fights from the past. So I think you guys are going to dig that article. Anyway, was going to be the cover story until a certain somebody had to test positive for three different drugs. Damn you, Jarrell Big Baby Miller. You took my cover story piece away, you bastard. Anyway, in that article, I talk about Terrence Crawford. I talk about Errol Spence and what that fight can mean for the division. But you look at Errol Spence and all the options he has over in the PBC side. You look at Crawford and Grandpa Bob, they're kind of running out of options, man. So I don't know where he's going to go from here. For Amir Khan, dude, you just got another $4 million that, quite frankly, you didn't deserve. You lucked out because Terrence Crawford, because Danny Garcia refused to fight him. He was offered a fight, and he said no again. But where do you go from here? Go fight Kell Brook. Everyone's wanted to see you fight Kell Brook for ages. It's time, dude. Go fight Kell Brook. Have your grudge match over in London. Everyone can go to that. You guys can sell out the O2. 
Go do the grudge match now. Go do that domestic level shit. Because no more undeserved paydays, dude. I love that you got balls of steel. Actually, you don't have balls of steel. But you got big balls. We'll, we'll go with that. You got big balls. Okay, cool. You fought Canelo. You fought Crawford. All right. Go fight Brooke now. I'm sick of it. Also on this card, Shakur Stevenson scores a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Christopher Diaz, his most experienced opponent to date. Looked pretty good in that fight, even though it went to distance. Stevenson's lack of world-class power still concerns me, but I do think Shakur Stevenson's going to win titles. How he fought on this card after a video of that parking lot beatdown made the internet, I don't know, but he did. Um, is he ready for a title shot now? No. I think that this was for some minor piece of a title. Not ready for a title shot yet, but he will be next year. He will. Tiafimo Lopez, ready for a title shot right now, scored a KO5 win. I think he's ready for Richard Comey, especially Richard Comey coming off a hand injury. So if that's where he goes next, I can't wait to see that. That's going to be on ESPN. That's going to be awesome. Also, Felix Berdejo scores the unanimous decision win in a 10-rounder. If Lopez and Comey can't happen, put Lopez in there with Berdejo. Two of them fight, do it in New York, makes a ton of sense. All right? So that is it for all the action last week, the review. Let's go back to some of you guys' questions, if I can figure out how to open Tiffany's phone, and I can't. So, Tiffany, I need – I don't know how to do that. People are listening, and they can't. There, there's dead air right now. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I'm getting the questions right now. Again, work in progress. Insane situation we're dealing with right here. Okay. Back to questions. Let's see. Um, <laughs> Yar Herrera said, Canelo's team is claiming they will fight Triple G only if he has a title. Do you think we at least get Andre for Triple G in September if Canelo wins his fight with Jacobs? I think that I saw that that um, that Canelo said, you know, Triple G needs to have a title to fight him. I think that's all bullshit. Triple G needs to bring another $30 million plus million or whatever it is for Canelo. Look, he gets his guarantee from DAZN, but if he fights Golovkin, there's, it's just a bigger stakes fight. That's what he wants. So I still think that fight's going to happen. If it doesn't and he goes a different direction, maybe he does fight Andre. Maybe he fights Charlo because Charlo will technically be uh, his mandatory for one of his titles by that point. Uh, so what the hell, you know, uh, either way, I mean, Canelo, if he fights any of those guys, I'm going to be watching, especially if he goes from Jacobs to whether it's Triple G, Andre, or Charlo. I'd love to see any of those. We know it ain't going to be David Lemieux because he just hurt his hand. He keeps missing out on the Canelo sweepstakes. John Yen asks, who are the best few refs in the game? Oh, man. Um, you know, off the top of my head, my favorite ref is, is Jack Reese. I think he always does an outstanding job. But, of course, there are several others. I mean, um, the name slipped me right now, slipped my mind right now. Uh, I, thought, I think Tom Taylor does a pretty good job in Cali. But I just think as far as covering fights all over the world and always really having good control of a fight, it's Jack Reese. Now, he's had a couple of off nights through his career like we all have. Steve Willis. A. Deguero. Yeah, I'm trying to read your name right there. Yeah, Steve Willis. I completely agree with you, bro. Steve Willis is the man. Uh, his facial expressions are great. But, uh, yeah, Steve Willis is awesome. Oh, Team Buck is on. 
Guys, Team Buck Boxing Talk. Real quick, real quick tangent. My boy, Scotty Buck. Former pro fighter out of Detroit, my hometown. Still trains. He's still a badass. He's still ripped. He's more ripped than 90% of us. Trust me. And um, I see Michael Barrios is on there. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Appreciate it. But uh, Scotty, he has a channel, Team Buck Boxing Talk. If you're on YouTube, you're on Twitter, make sure you check that out. Again, former pro fighter who's trying to get the boxing scene in Detroit going again, right? Because it's nowhere near where it used to be. Scotty's the real deal. Father Cronk used to train with James Tony. Real deal. And he knows his shit, and he's great to talk boxing with. So, Scotty Buck, look him up uh, Twitter, Facebook, Team Buck Boxing Talk, all right? But anyway... Best refs in the game, yeah, Steve Willis. But overall, right now, I just think when you balance it all out, I think Jack Reese is the best in the game. I think he does a good job controlling fights. And um, Tiffy and I attended a California State Athletic Commission kind of conference they did a few years ago that Jack spoke in. And I just think he has a really, really good understanding and control of what's going on. And he's heavily involved in not just being a ref, but being involved in all aspects of the California Commission, which I think is the best commission in America. But dude refs fights in Russia, all over the world. And I think he's great. Johnny Boy asks, where does Crawford go from here, Mike? Well, I just talked about that. Um, I just jumped on, so if you're, if you're already talking about that, my apologies. No worries, Johnny Boy. Good question, man, because it's, it's a legitimate question. Where does uh, Terrence Crawford go from here? And after the fight with Khan, Bob Arum had a kind of bizarre press conference. He said some bizarre things. He said that he wants to make the fight between Crawford and Spence, but he wants 50-50. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Grandpa Bob knows that. I think Terrence Crawford knows that. Here's why it's not going to happen. Errol Spence just had a pretty successful pay-per-view with Mikey Garcia. Now, Mikey Garcia was the A-side there. Mikey Garcia's name and fan base brought most of the pay-per-view buys. I'm not saying it was like 90%, but it was the lion's share of the pay-per-view buys and the tickets sold we're off of Mikey Garcia's name, but Spence and his people, that helped them out. That built their brand up. And now, look, do you guys think that this pay-per-view between Crawford and Khan sold anywhere near what Spence Garcia did? I don't think so. I, I seriously doubt that it did. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. It won't be the first time. But we certainly know it didn't do the crowd. I think there was 14,000 people there or something like that, which is a good, respectable crowd. Not knocking that at all. The Omaha fans definitely traveled, and there were some British fans there for Khan. But it wasn't 47,000, which is what Spence Garcia did. So Spence is already a bigger commercial brand in terms of what he can do on pay-per-view. And the PBC side is going to use that to go to Grandpa Bob and say, we ain't doing no 50-50. Grandpa Bob and Terrence Crawford's side are going to say, I think rightfully so, well, we, we're a three-division titleist. We're the pound-for-pound pound guy. It's, it's between us or Vasily Lomachenko. Nobody thinks Errol Spence is the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world right now. And the, the debate is out if he's even the best welterweight because a lot of people think it's our guy, Crawford. So we're the more proven fighter. We've done more in the sport. We've proven more. So, yeah, we do deserve 50-50. We're also the best opponent for you out there and likely the biggest money fight for you out there. So, yeah, 50-50 or, or, or bust. I think both sides know that this fight ain't happening anytime soon, and they're just kind of talking, chatter, chatter, chatter. Uh, for Tim Smith responded to Grandpa Bob Arum's comments. 
basically by deflecting. He said something like, hey, let Bob Arum worry about top rank. There's plenty of guys for Crawford to fight over there. There's plenty of guys for Spence to fight over here. That fight will happen when it's ready. So basically, Spence's side is stalling. But you can kind of understand, again, if I'm putting my businessman hat on, why? They're in the situation Canelo was in against Triple G. They're in a situation Mayweather was in with Manny Pacquiao. They have more options, so they can take their time. Crawford doesn't. It is what it is. Okay, uh, let's see. Miguel and Evan Boxing. What's up, man? B-Boy Evan. Hashtag B-Boy Evan. What's going on, brother? Thanks for tuning in, man. Finally catching you all live before we head to the gym. Yo, man, have, have a good workout. Uh, it's a pleasure watching your boy develop. And I love seeing you guys out at all the events, all the great photos with all the fighters and stuff. You guys are true boxing fans. And your kid, man, man, he's going to have a future in this sport, brother. I'm telling you right now. So uh, good workout or good, have a good workout. Tell him I said what's up and appreciate the support. Anthony Montero was on. He said, what's up, Mike Katiff? What's up, man? Appreciate you getting out of work early and tuning in, brother. I miss you. Come out here, man. Come visit. I can't get out there till September, Anthony. Get your ass out here, man. We're moving in two weeks. I could use the help. Harrison Property asks, do you think Brooke beats Crawford? In a word, no. <laughs> Devin Cruz asks, who do you think gets knocked out first, Wilder, Joshua, or Fury? Uh, you know, technically speaking, Wilder's never, well, Wilder has been down by Harold Sconyers, but he hasn't been knocked down recently. Joshua was put down, but that was by an all-time great, Vladimir Klitschko, so no shame in that, although he was like 40-something. Fury's been down twice by Wilder, so I, I don't know, dude. It depends who they fight. In terms of styles, though, you, if you had to bet, the safe bet would be Wilder getting knocked out because chin's up in the air, horrible fundamentals, but, you know, anything can happen in the heavyweight division, bro. If I had to guess, it's Wilder. But it could be any of them. Rockstar 1996, when are you answering your assumptions questions video? Okay, so uh, this weekend I posted a, a video um, asking you guys to give me your assumptions about me and post them in the comments section. Obviously, I will get to that in the middle of this week and I'll post it later in the week, okay? I can't get to it now because I'm doing TNC, but a, a couple more days and I will get to that, I promise. So get over there and make assumptions about me and I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. Sun Monkey Kong asks, would you like to see Shakur Stevenson versus Devin Haney in the future? Yeah, of course, but um, Haney's a little big for Stevenson, at least at this point, and also Haney, is likely about to sign with Eddie Hearn and go over to DAZN. That's going to be a way to protect himself from the Teofimo Lopez thing, because I'd rather see those two fight because they're similar size. But I don't think Haney, I'm not so sure he wants any of Lopez. But if he goes over to DAZN, we're not going to see any of those fights for a while, which is a shame. It's the business of boxing. Azier asked, will Ortiz accept the challenge and fight Joshua? Apparently not. So, yeah, you know, I talked about Jarrell Miller earlier. I didn't even talk about potential opponents. I think Mike, or Mike Hunter is going to get the assignment, if I had to guess. It's possible it could be somebody like Manuel Char. Don't shoot the messenger. But I think Michael Hunter would make more sense for a fight in America, in New York. Um, that's where they should go. And he probably would put up a better fight than Manuel Char. Char's, you know, a decent heavyweight. But Hunter, 
has looked pretty good. Uh, only has one loss, and that's against Alexander Usyk. There's no shame in losing to Usyk. So, in fact, going with Hunter might make sense for Joshua because if he could get him out of there and beat him more emphatically than Usyk did, it's a way to possibly build up that future fight between Joshua and Usyk. So I think that's the direction. That's a smart direction for them to go in. Luis Ortiz was offered the fight, and he said, no, it's not enough time for training camp. Dude, you're turning down $5 million. Or they might have actually had to throw more money at him for being a late replacement. And you're turning that money down? How fat and out of shape are you right now? And if you're that fat and out of shape between fights, shame on you. You're a pro athlete. If you're in shape and you're ready to answer the phone, there could be a $5 million payday waiting there. You never know what's going to happen. It behooves you to stay in shape. Get your fat ass in the gym. Okay, let's see. What else? Um, one more, then we'll get to the preview. Rockstar1996 asks, in your opinion, was the Crawford Con fight worth 70 bucks? Or did I stream it? Not worth 70 bucks. Um, I would have streamed it if I watched it. I was busy putting in bamboo floors in my new house with my dad and my fiance. So I didn't even see it. And I didn't feel like I needed to see it because I knew what the hell was going to happen. Sad but true. One of those. Yeah. That pay-per-view, I would not spend money on. These three pay-per-views that you guys have gotten this year, not worth the money. Now, Spence Garcia may be worth the money because it was a pretty good card in the event being at AT&T Stadium and everything, pretty good event, but Pat Broner was shit. All right, preview time. Thursday, April 25th, Golden Boy Promotions is back at the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California. I believe this will be on the uh, Zone. This is a Thursday night series they just started. And let's see. In the, I believe this is the main event. Ulysses, or Yeves Ulessi Jr., the guy who beat Cletus Seldon. Remember Cletus Seldon? HBO was trying to promote the hell out of him. And this dude went in there and just totally exposed him. Uh, yeah, so he's fighting Steve Claggett, which is a rematch. The only loss on Ulysses' record was against Claggett. He lost by split decision. They're going to do a rematch, and Ulysses is going to win. Also, Oscar Negrete is having his rematch with Joshua Franco. They had a draw in October. That's going to be a fun fight. Also on this card, another SoCal prospect, Alexis Rocha, Southpaw, 21 years old, 12-0, welterweight, definitely a kid to keep an eye on, one of Golden Boy's best prospects right now. Also that the same day, Thursday, Roy Jones Jr. Promotions putting on a card in Las Vegas with several prospects. That is on UFC Fight Pass. Friday action from the Forum in Inglewood, California. What a great freaking card Great doubleheader. There's actually three fights on here that I want to see. On the zone, this is going to be a fun card, guys. You're getting your DAZN. Your DAZN subscription has suffered early this year through no fault of the zone. No fault of the zone. Okay. World Boxing Super Series semifinals were supposed to be over by now. They're supposed to happen in January, February, maybe the beginning of March. But because of budget issues with the tournament, it got pushed back. And then, you know, Jarrell Miller just screwed the zone out of that A.J. Miller fight that they're going to have on June 1st. That card's still going ahead. Triple G took his time making his decision. There's just been issues getting the year started. But that subscription is going to start paying for itself. And this card, don't sleep on it. Rematch between Sri Saket Sor Rungvisai 
and Juan Francisco Estrada. These two fought back in February of 2018 at the Forum. I was there. Fantastic fight. That built with each progressive round. It had a crescendo at the very end of the fight. Left you wanting more. In the end, it was a majority decision win for Rungvisai. Both fighters are 2-0 since. And uh, this, this is can't miss. This is going to be a damn good fight. And that's not even, it might not even be the best fight on the card. It, it should be. It looks like it's going to be. It's certainly the most meaningful. But actually, maybe not. Because Daniel Roman making the fourth defense of his WBO, I'm sorry, WBA junior featherweight title, going up against Irish Aussie TJ Doheny, making the second defense of his IBF title. Both of these guys went over to Japan to win these 122-pound titles. And they're putting them on the line, unifying titles here in this fight. For Daniel Roman, um, he's been all over you know, fighting on the road. I think he's fought Japan, Texas, kind of all over the place. This is a bit of a homecoming for him. For the Irish Aussie, still stamping that passport, willing to travel, fight the best everywhere. What's not to love about these two fighters? I love this fight. It should produce. Don't miss it. Also, Jesse Vargas fighting Umberto Soto at 154 pounds. Neither one of them wanted to work to get down to 47. Don't sleep on that fight. Because I'm telling you right now, style-wise, that fight might be the sleeper on this card. I don't know, but those two dudes in the forum with all those Mexican-American fans, it's going to get heated at some point in that fight, and that's going to be fun, man. Also, earlier in the day, DAZN is going to be showing you a card from Florence, Italy. So crack some beers and enjoy yourself on DAZN Saturday. It's going to be a hell of a day of boxing. That's Friday. Sorry, I kept saying Saturday. That's Friday, April 26th. So you're getting a lot of action Friday. Saturday, April 27th, we've got World Boxing Super Series on the zone from Lafayette, Louisiana, the Cajun Dome. You got a great doubleheader here, man. The zone is killing it this weekend. Nonito Donaire, all 36 years old of them, with his WBA bantamweight title unifying against Zolani Titi out of South Africa he's 31 years old he's a southpaw he's bringing his WBO title to the dance these two guys are unifying that is going to be a very good fight I you know at first I thought Titi was just going to pull that out but maybe I don't know Donaire is one of my favorites from the from the last generation I think he's a little rejuvenated after having a kind of a tough spot in his career I think he's good at this weight I think Nonito Donaire is going to get it done. I think he's going to pull this fight out and unify titles and go to the World Boxing Super Series finale. I just got this feeling. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. But I got this feeling Donaire pulls that fight out. Also on this card, local fighter Regis Progre. Just wrote a feature article on him in the current issue of Ring Magazine, so make sure you check it out. Talking with him for like an hour, this kid's smart. He gets it. He loves reading. He doesn't watch TV. He maybe watches an hour or two of TV a week. He stopped watching TV several years ago and just started picking up books. He loves reading about boxing history, but he's read all sorts of books, all sorts of books. And we were just talking about it. it just talking to him, such an interesting cat, really interesting cat. His uh, wife is out of Brazil. He met her, he was a personal trainer at a LA Fitness. 
and was training this husband and wife who happened to be Brazilian living in Houston. And this is when Progray moved to Houston after Hurricane Katrina. He left New Orleans. So he's there training these two and they start saying, hey, can you come to our house and train us at our house? It's easier for us to work out at home. We can't always go get to the gym. He said, yeah, sure. He starts training them at home. At one point, their nieces are visiting from Brazil and that's how he meets his future wife. Now, Progray didn't speak a lick of Portuguese. This woman, I think her name's Raquel, Raquel Progray, did not speak any English, but they figured it out. And now Regis Progray is completely fluent in Portuguese. So he's bilingual and his wife is bilingual as well, speaks fluent English. How cool is that shit? Anyway, just a little inside information for you guys here on TNC, maybe something you didn't know. He's going up against Kirill Relic out of Belarus, challenging him for his WBA, WBA 140 pound title. That's gonna be an interesting fight. Relic is experienced. He's been in there with some top fighters and pro grade, this is gonna be his best opponent. And it's not, it's in his, not his backyard, but his neighborhood, right? New Orleans is his backyard. Lafayette, I think, is like two-hour, three-hour drive or so away, I think, west of New Orleans. So this is kind of like his neighborhood. It's going to be interesting to see how... I've heard that this card is not selling well, which I don't understand. Because when um, the first time that Progray fought in, I can't remember, Lakefront Arena in uh, New Orleans, they did a good crowd. Then he went into the World Boxing Super Series. And those promoters, they have not promoted the shows in America very well at all because they went right back to Lakefront Arena for his first fight, the World Boxing Super Series, and it was a disappointing turnout. And I hear that so far it's been a disappointing turnout for this card. Any of you guys in that area, man, make sure you go to that card because it's a great doubleheader. You're, I mean, there's nothing like seeing live boxing. So those of you anywhere, look, Houston, New Orleans, if Houston's here, New Orleans is here, Lafayette's right in the middle. So any of you in that area, in that part of the country, go check out that card, man. It's going to be great. I favor Progray to win that fight, and he's going to go in the finals and fight against Taylor, who it looks like Josh Taylor will be fighting Ivan Baranchek after all. Baranchek finally came to his senses and realized he needs to go through with that fight. Okay, also Saturday at the Cosmo in Las Vegas, it's a PBC show, uh, TGB promotions, About Billions promotions, and Mayweather promotions. This is on Showtime. Robert Easter Jr. fighting Rancis Bartholomew for the vacant WBA regular title, which is absolutely goddamn ridiculous because we all know the best lightweight in the world is Vasily Lomachenko, who holds the WBA super title. So why the hell does the WBA have a title match between these two? Look, Easter and Bartholomew are fine fighters, good fighters. They're not on the same level as Lomachenko. So is anyone going to recognize these guys as champions? Get the fuck out of here. The WBA drives me nuts. It is a decent matchup, though. But the zone is crushing Showtime this weekend. Showtime is going to get DVR'd by about 95% of boxing fans. Also on this card, Victor Postal fighting in a WBC 140-pound eliminator. Jezreel Corrales is fighting, and undefeated heavyweight prospect F.A. Ajagba, also on that card. Also Saturday, a Queensberry Promotions card from Wembley that is on ESPN+, Plus, featuring heavyweight prospect Daniel Dubois, who I'm very high on. So if you guys have ESPN+, Plus, 
make sure you check that out. I don't think he's in the main event. I think he's way down on the undercard. But, um, oh, here we go. I'm going to get to some more questions. But it'd be worth checking out. Okay, back to your guys' questions. And then we're going to wrap it up here on TNC 168. DS Kennels 210 asks, if you had to pick between Angel Garcia and Teofimo Lopez' dad to raise y'all kids, who would it be? Without a doubt, without a doubt, without blinking, Mr. Lopez. Team Buck Boxing Talk, my boy Scotty asks, how is the boxing scene in Atlanta? Well, that's an easy answer. There's none. There is absolutely no boxing scene here. It is pathetic. Really, really, really bad. I think there was just a UFC show here recently. One thing I've learned in my brief time here, and I haven't even been here for a year, Southerners love wrestling. So MMA, they seem to love MMA way more here. Another thing I've noticed, um, a lot of these guys here wrestled in high school. They played football in high school. They wrestled in high school. So MMA looks, I think, just aesthetically more pleasing to them in this part of the country. I'm trying to get some more boxing here. As I've talked about before, though, I've talked with some folks at top rank. They are looking at bringing fights to Atlanta. So there will be a top rank show here in Atlanta in the next 12 months. I don't know if it'll be this year. It might be early next year. But to quote Bob Arum, well, to paraphrase something Bob Arum has said, they had a freaking Super Bowl in Atlanta. There's a sports market there. There should be boxing here. So at some point, if Top Ranks brings a show here and it does well, uh, who knows? Maybe a scene can get going here. Maybe I can help build a scene here. But so far, the boxing scene is me going and working out uh, occasionally. I was training for a while with uh, Marty Hill, who is the chairman of the United States uh, Amateur Boxing Masters Division. So it was great training with him and learning from him. I learned a lot. And I hope I can do that again soon. Uh, Harrison, I haven't been able to because I'm working on a damn house right now. So I miss it. Harrison Property asks, can you please give us an update on Triple G suing his management team? I, I have nothing. It, it just kind of fell off. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if they settled. I imagine at some point, though, uh, we'll get some sort of news and update with that. But uh, Triple G is very private with most matters, you know, of, especially with family stuff. But with that, I, I just I doubt there's going to be this big press release, but something will leak. I haven't talked to Loeffler uh, in probably a month or so. I'll talk to him before this next fight with Golovkin, and I'll bring it up. I'll ask him. Oh, that's a good question. Scotty Buck asks, who, in your opinion, is the best for AJ June 1st? I, again, I think it's Michael Hunter. I think that makes the most sense. And it's, it's a good brand-building thing in several ways. There's the tie to Alexander Usyk. Hunter is American. AJ's making his American debut. Hunter's on a win streak, and he wants to fight. He's made it known that he wants to fight. So I think that's who it's going to be. Punch quote, formerly HHH1200, asks, Fury was given three fights to fight AJ and went after Wilder. Fury is going to get smoked by AJ. Well, maybe, maybe. Maybe he saw Wilder being the easier target and thought that he'd go beat, in his mind, go beat Wilder, have a title, and then come back to the negotiating table with AJ and get more money because he could say, hey, I got a title now. If you want this title, you got to give me a bigger you know, cut. So maybe that's what it was. I think 
Going to ESPN, though, I mean, that was just a way for Fury to make a shitload of money up front without having to take on the toughest opposition. DS Kennels 210 asks, pound for pound, best headbutt in history, best headbutter in history. Tim Bradley, Sean Porter, Holyfield, or Hopkins? Without a doubt, it is Evander Holyfield. Best headbutter in recent boxing history. There are far better headbutters back 50-plus years ago. But in modern boxing history, I mean, Holyfield would just dive in, totally squared up like an NFL linebacker and smash his head into you. And, you know, hey, it worked for him. Alexander asks, what did you make of the ESPN cast saying that no one in the 126-pound division could give Shakur a good fight? I didn't watch the pay-per-view, so I didn't see that. But if they're saying that, they're trying to play promoter, I think that's ridiculous. There are very good featherweights but the problem is they're over on pbc so i've noticed this a couple times with the espn broadcast they've played politics a little bit they haven't mentioned guys over on the pbc side of the universe and to be fair the guys at showtime or fox they've done the same thing they haven't mentioned fighters uh, over in the espn slash top break side of the universe so these teams are not playing fair right now they're 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 definitely opponents and they're taking shots at each other. And look, obviously, Gary Russell Jr. would beat the brakes off Shakur Stevenson's right now. That would not even be a competitive fight. You could say the same thing about someone like Carl Frampton would tune, eh, Carl Frampton's a little older, okay. You know, maybe Shakur would have a chance in that fight. I'd still favor Frampton. Leo Santa Cruz would dominate Stevenson, he's just not ready for that. He needs to fight a top 10 fighter. So if ESPN, if they really said that, that's pretty stupid. That's just really, really bad. Rap Life asks, any pay-per-view numbers in for Bud versus Khan? No, but from everything I'm hearing so far, indications, it will not come anywhere near beating uh, Spence Garcia. So Crawford had one other pay-per-view against Victor Postol. I think this fight will certainly do much better than that. Amir Khan did bring some name recognition, and he's being promoted on ESPN. But I don't think it's going to do what, what uh, Spence Garcia did. I hope it breaks 200,000 buys for their sake, but I, I'm not so sure. We'll find out probably within the next week. But I don't think they're going to be in a rush to report those pay-per-view numbers. I'll say this. If by some miracle, let's say it did 400,000 views, I don't know if that helped build any fans because that main event was shit. Um, the Stevenson fight with Diaz wasn't particularly exciting. The performance of the night was from Tiafima Lopez, obviously, but was that worth $70? Ugh. Okay, Tree Duck asks, if there's no scene, no boxing scene in Atlanta, why, as a boxing writer, did I move here? Very good question. Well, uh, moved here for several reasons. But um, look, as far as me going and covering fights, they have these things called airplanes. They have these things called cars. I've covered events from L.A. since I moved here, uh, in Dallas, and in New Orleans since I've moved here. The only reason I haven't gone to more events, the only reason I wasn't in New York last weekend is because I'm renovating a house. But Tiffany and I, when we got engaged last year, we you know, wanted to buy a house and we're thinking, we're not 100%, but we think we want to have children. And there's no way we wanted to raise children in LA. And we wanted to buy a house. 
we're not multimillionaires. You can't buy a house in LA unless you're a millionaire. So we looked at different cities and ultimately it was between Atlanta and Dallas for the two nicest cities that had all the big city amenities, but were still very cheap and affordable. And we chose Atlanta. This is a little closer to my family. And um, so far I'm happy we came here. It is, it is tough though, having no boxing scene here. You know, it, culturally, it's, it's a little tough getting adjusted. But when I go to my freaking mansion and I work on it that we're moving into in two weeks and I see what I paid for that versus what I sold my condo in LA for, when I see how cheap gas is and food is, how nice everyone here is, yeah, we probably made the right move, honestly. I mean, um, it is, uh, again, it's, it's not LA, never gonna be LA, but um, so far it feels good. So far it feels good. Okay, guys, are there any more questions? Nothing, that is it. All right, so TNC168 is in the books. Sorry for the rocky start, <laughs> but thanks for uh, tuning in, guys. And we'll see you next week. It'll be the last week here at this apartment before we move to the house. And then we will be doing this show live from the Montero Manor. All right? I'll see you at the fights.